Welcome to the Voices of Freedom podcast by Freedom All Occurred. Each week, you'll hear mind-blowing interviews from survivors and professionals, as well as actionable tips that you can implement in your life to become a better advocate for human trafficking survivors. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now let's jump into the next episode of Voices of Freedom. I can't believe season three is here for Voices of Freedom. I'm super excited for this season. Um, Myself and the team has worked really hard on ideas for specific subject topics to um, share with the listeners and really have an excellent lineup of experts in the field to talk with us um, and share their wealth of knowledge that they have. Um, Also, exciting news that you guys might not know is I'm pregnant and I um, have a little baby boy due in April. Um, so don't worry though, the podcast will still be rolling. Um, I'm going to make sure that episodes are still going out while I'm out on maternity leave. Um, but that's exciting. And I just thought that the community might, uh, want to know that fun little detail. Um, so if you have any really awesome mom advice, send that over to me um, because I definitely don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I've only ever been a mom to dogs (laughs) and I don't think that's the same thing whatsoever. Uh, But it's going to be great and I'll be sure to share photos with you guys once he arrives. So let's jump into season three, episode one, Voices of Freedom. To kick off season three, we have two big, big names in the community uh, joining us. Um, They'll probably sound familiar to you if you are a part of Freedom All Cart. So today we have Paula, who is the CEO at Freedom All Cart. A little bit about her. She joined the organization in June of 2016, um, but she began her work with Freedom All Cart in 2013 as a volunteer board member and founder of the Eat Up Columbus fundraising event, which by the way, if you haven't attended, please attend this year. Um, Our event is on August 26th. So better see you there. Paula leads the organization from an entrepreneurial perspective, having operated her own boutique marketing agency for 10 years. She was awarded a 2017 Pillar Award as a nonprofit executive director of the year and was named a Central Ohio Smart 50 Award honoree for her business leadership. Another fabulous woman in the anti-human trafficking community, Jamel has been a vic- victim advocate for almost 13 years. Currently, she focuses on connecting and strengthening victim services for human trafficking survivors, bringing awareness to communities across the state and empowering others to take action in their families, school, work environment, and everyday life in her role as the Director of Victim Services for the Human Trafficking Initiative. Previous to joining the Attorney General's office, she worked as the anti-trafficking victims advocate embedded full-time with the Central Ohio Human Trafficking Task Force and Salvation Army for almost two and a half years. Prior to that, Jamel worked as a victim advocate victim advocate and victim witness coordinator at Palm Beach County, Florida State Attorney's Office for six and a half years. Jamel is also a board member at Freedom a la Carte. To dive in today, today's 
episode is going to be all about re-exploitation, what that is, what that looks like here at Freedom Law Cart, and what that could look like in your organization or agency. Jamel and Paula are going to share their experiences of where this topic has led them and um, our organization. And I hope that you guys really enjoy this episode. Jumping in, Jamel, do you want to tell us what re-exploitation is and why it's important for us to talk about? Sure. So when it comes to what exploitation is specifically, exploitation is the action or fact of treating someone unfairly in order to benefit from their work or their resources. And a lot of victims experience this, right? And so the re-exploitation is when it's happening again, even under what's considered to be a safe space, right? Mm -hmm. So whether that's your organization, through a job, they've moved from the trafficking situation and then now they're being re-exploited in other ways and trying to navigate what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I didn't add this in there, but I just thought of it when we were talking about it. It it's, seems that a lot of survivors can't even identify when it's happening. They're just used to this pattern. Um, and now there's like this name that we can put with it in like education, um, which is super important. So this recently became a discussion at Freedom All Cart. Paula, do you want to jump in and like share like how that became? Sure. Um, it was about a year and a half ago, and we were in a staff meeting, and one of our survivor experts on staff questioned um, one of the events we were having and said she thought it was exploiting survivors, and it generated conversation, and we realized that that event, we all agree, was not exploiting survivors, but it caused us pause mm -hmm. to kind of look at things we were doing through a new lens, and we jumped in. Um we started reaching out to survivor experts that we knew and resources and just diving in and trying to learn what others were doing. Um, how can we do better? Like, what are we doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Or not necessarily wrong, but... Um, how can you improve? We can improve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our, our intention is always good. Our yes. intention's there, but that's not enough always. Right. Yeah. Um, the survivor expert that was on staff that I mentioned, she also dove into the topic and was a co-presenter at the Ohio Attorney General's um, Human Trafficking Summit that year. So we were able to gain more information there. We did a survey with survivors within our network and just really dove into the topic head on. Yeah. And you guys have been working on it for like, since then, like a year long, year and a half long process. Like it's not just like one day you're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. It's been like a lot of work that you guys have put into it. And a lot of tweaking, mm -hmm. right? So we think you think you have it and this is our process and procedure moving forward. And then you come upon something and you're like, wait, this doesn't feel right. And we've continued, like I've reached out to Jamel to find out, hey, can you help me with learn what some other people are doing mm -hmm. locally, you know, in other states, et cetera. So just continuing to have the conversation and re exploring, diving yeah. into what we're doing here. And I think that's really good because you mentioned, you know, adjusting and having flexibility and recognizing, okay, we haven't reached where we're trying to go yet and taking temperature of yes. what's happening in your agency. And that could be so hard to do because it also, it's like a mirror, right? Yes. And it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, freedom is doing that, I think that's really, really just commendable for sure. Well, thanks. Yeah. I, I fully agree. Like being within staff of an organization that's doing an inward look like we promote so much about how like we're here to empower survivors but then being able to also admit hey we don't have it perfect but we want to be the leader of making sure that we are not re-exploiting our survivors and like 
um, being a leader of what this looks like. Um, so yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, so what are signs of re-exploitation, Jamal? So it is a variety of signs, right? And some of it may looking at, you know, how do you value the survivor voice? It may look at, look like compensation. Are people getting, you know, paid as an expert? What does mm -hmm. that look like? Um, telling someone's story without their permission, without their consent, mm -hmm. right? Um, having someone speak at an event and the, the exchange of money or something that they're in need of, and what does that mean and look like? Are they being heard? Are they at the table? Are there avenues in which they can be able to say no? They can be able to push back and challenge, right? Mm -hmm. um, what does the power dynamic look like and authority dynamic look like? So all these different kinds of things can create re-exploitation. Um, also, understanding and recognizing that sometimes we're not clear with our expectations. And yes. what is that? what is that fostering? and helping to build and empower a survivor to be able to say no, to say I'm uncomfortable, to say, actually I have this idea and my voice matters. So all these things kind of play that role. Um, also something like images, what kind of imagery are we using? What's the purpose in why an organization is telling a story or a person is telling a survivor's story, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so all these different kind of pieces and sometimes even well-meaning causes harm mm -hmm. and um, sensitization and shocking and just wanting to tug on people's emotional heartstrings and connect with donors or connect, hey, this is what we've done and here's proof of what we've been doing and working in, but at what expense, yes. right? And yeah. how can we bring that survivor voice in to the conversation and give them the agency and the autonomy to, be, to have that power um, and that control over what is being said about what they've experienced themselves. Mm -hmm. So s taking the signs that Jamel listed, what have we, like, what actions are we now taking at Freedom Law Cart to make sure that we're not re-exploiting the women that we serve? Wow. We've really looked at the whole organization and how we do things, starting with photos. Mm -hmm. So we had already, as an organization, decided that we didn't want to specify who was a survivor and who was not. Even though some survivors would tell us at the time they were fine with that, putting a photo out on the internet through an email or mm -hmm. social media is there forever. And if we are identifying them with with that connection, you know, in, in three years when they've got a different life and a different career, they might think, gosh, I really wish that wasn't out there. Right. So our policy now is that we don't have single photos we have, when we're talking about the work that we're doing and the programming, we make sure that there are multiple people in the picture and it's not all just women in the program, some of the staff as well. Mm -hmm. So just taking that thought and expanding it through our photos, we've always been in the um, emphasizing that our photos should be beautiful and positive and, and not dark. So we've been thinking that way, but just kind of taking that to a new level. We really vamped our speaking policy. Um, this, this was really hard because we're trying to balance um, giving a survivor a voice, mm -hmm. right? But then the risk of exploiting them. So we, some of the things we've added within our policy is that we don't ask women that are currently in the program to speak. We wait until they've left the program. We pay attention to who's making that ask we um, 
you know, I'll, I'll stop there and talk about power dynamics. Hmm. So Jamel had mentioned power dynamics, and this made me pause because a lot of times I'm the one going to speak, and I would invite a survivor to go with me, and they always seem to love it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you think about power dynamics, if I'm the CEO and I'm asking an employee to go speak with me, do they really feel like they can say no, even if I'm saying this is totally up to you. You don't have to do this. This is just something I think, you know, I wanted to give you right. the opportunity. They just didn't feel like they might have it. So really thinking about who is making that ask, and it's not a power dynamic involved. Making sure that there's a wait period after we ask them to speak and share their story so they have time to process it and not make an impulsive decision. Uh, we make sure that we provide all the details of the event so they know exactly who the audience is, where they're supposed to be, how long the event is, all of that up front. We encourage them to have a safe person mm-hmm. present. We uh, provide counseling or um, compensation to cover counseling after after the event and make sure that we encourage that. And then we you know, offer for them to debrief with someone afterwards. Usually that would be with their safe person, but if not, you know, the staff member that's there with them. And then, of course, making sure that we're offering payment. So this is really something that we've worked on internally. Who should get paid? How much should people get paid? And how do we keep it consistent and fair Mm -hmm. amongst the whole, um, you know, all the survivors that we're serving? And then we also have a whole policy on dual relationships. So you can get, get into that, too, because we have survivor experts that are on our staff hmm. and you know we started learning about this dual relationship where if a survivor on our staff is controlling basically deciding what services clients get um, is it fair for them to also be the recipient of those same services there's there's a conflict of interest there. So really we specified when you be, when you come on staff, like what services are available to you and which ones are not. Even though you're still a survivor within our community, just making that clear and defining that up front. So for other organizations who may be listening, where did you guys go to like source information of like how you decided how much someone should be paid? for example, because I feel like that could be something that a lot of people would run into. Yeah, well, I actually talked to Jamel, and she had resources on what others were doing in the community. I reached out to um, Rebecca Bender, who's national, has her, she's a survivor expert. Uh, She has her own nonprofit and has people on staff. So, you know, look to her as well. Mm-hmm. Like, what are what are people paying? I, I ask people when I'm around the country at different events. Uh, how are how, what's the compensation? What's fair compensation? So, yeah, and just adding in like my own little experience of this, like within the podcast, we um, have basically like overall how we ask someone to be on the podcast, and then like what that looks like. So. When I ask someone to be on there, I usually meet with them before we even decide if, like, this is a good fit. Like, I'll spend, like, 10, 15 minutes with um, – usually, like, survivors is when I spend, like, a lot of time with them. But, like, explaining what the podcast would be, um, what they're bringing to the table, like, what value they would be getting out of the experience. And then after they would agree and I would agree, they also have a podcast guest release form that they would sign. So it's just another way that we are – having the language put out there for them to feel comfortable agreeing to their voice being 
on the internet for years to come. Um, and then also within like the guest release form, like examples that we have of things that they could um, check off is if they're comfortable having their name on there, their full name, no name, um, and then accepting payment and things like that. So um, it's been interesting to watch this whole process evolve and um, I'm excited for where it's going. Yeah. And I think the people that have watched Freedom will start to see, have seen the change. I think last year, as a side note, I think we really pulled back yeah. from telling stories and having having survivors speak because we just didn't want to get it wrong. Mm -hmm. And now that we've talked about it and we're, you know, really consulted with a lot of different survivors, we are moving forward. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think I'm anxious for, to start start sharing stories again and empowering survivors to to share their voice but do it in a way that is empowering so. yeah i definitely think like it's still like a very much gray area like i don't think there's ever going to be like a perfect right or a wrong it's answer a work in progress right yeah. now right everybody's figuring it out and seeing so i think this time period is going to build what is yeah healthy and right and then also again with that flexibility how can the ball continue to kind yeah. of move um, but you asked a question about compensation and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, that the federal system has a rate of up to $81 an hour. Mm -hmm. And so people can be able to look to that, but also just kind of think about inflation. Think about what people are being paid, you know, at an mm -hmm. hourly rate. Think of what you're willing to pay somebody to speak if they are an expert in their field outside of human trafficking. And so how can we just be intentional with that, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's been... Um, you know, conferences or, you know, events that I've gone to before where I know that everybody who's speaking is being paid a certain amount, but then when it's time for that survivor to speak, here's a $5 gift card, right? Oh, gosh. That's not equitable, right? <laughs> you know, at, at all, and that's problematic. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of keeping those things in mind and that this person is an expert in their field and they're coming and sharing um, based on also what they want to share and that it doesn't have to be tell us the deepest, darkest things that you've experienced, right? right? There's so much to this person's life, mm -hmm. to where they're going, where they're, what they're currently doing, that can, that also brings such immense value to the conversation. Yes. That it doesn't have to be pigeonholed in, the only reason why you're here is to share with people who you don't know this room about your hardest and toughest times, mm -hmm. right? More so, if they want to share some things, they can, but also if they want to share about where they're heading, that's also super tremendous and, and, and powerful as well yeah that's something that i definitely have been working on within the podcast like within the first season when we really hadn't dived into this topic yet like some of those previous episodes were like really like deep and heavy and now like the more that we've like learned about this conversation we're like okay we need to be mindful about like where we're taking this survivor and you know setting a time limit on like how long they talk about like their lived experiences but more of like we want the conversation to go to like where they're going, where they're headed, what their goals are. Um, so. Yeah. And what insight they have. Yes. On a topic. They've learned. <laughs> yeah. What they've learned, right? So there's just, there's just so, their wealth of knowledge as mm -hmm. just an individual. Yes. Period. <laughs> and, and I think that hearing stories is important because everyone's story is so different. Mm -hmm. like you hear one story and you think that's not the same story for everyone that's been trafficked. There are so many different. Yeah. So I think that's important to get out and empowering survivors to, to share that as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so what steps should other businesses or organizations take to look inward on this subject? Sure. 
Um, so we just talked about compensation. <laughs> compensation, for sure. Um, but this concept also, what does it mean to honor that person's story? Do you really, like, really have that? I think you, you use the language of inward, mm-hmm. inward look. Mm-hmm. That we said um, to really, what does it mean to honor the story of a survivor and to also ethically tell that story? And so, whether you interact with a survivor and they share something with you, does that mean that you tell everybody that you meet after? I met so and so, and she told me this, or he told me that. Right. So, right. what does it mean to, to honor that person's story, honor the trust that they had in that moment of sharing with you, and to just respect? that time right mm-hmm. um also engaging survivors in a trauma-informed way and there's trauma-informed there's also trauma competent we can all be informed on uh, you know how to go about interacting with people but the next step is also being trauma competent yeah that's <laughs> a good way that i've never thought yeah about saying yeah right and so you can learn some stuff but now what do you do to put into action and to mm-hmm. truly embrace being having this safe space um I would also mention when it comes to permission to use people's names and photos. So I love the fact that you mentioned on the release form that, you know, is it okay to use your name? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. Your first name, your last name, your, whatever that looks like. Permission to use people's names, use their photos to tell their, to tell any part of their story and to have that conversation. That gives agency. That mm-hmm. gives autonomy. That gives their having choice and mm-hmm. they're in that driver's seat for sure. Um, and I think the last thing I would say would be expectations and that's something that we're working on is what does it mean to really put out there what are the expectations that someone is asking of another individual and what's also what can be an expectation they can have of that company of that agency right and so that it goes both ways and having just clear communication just goes such a long way right and I would add to like I think the re-exploitation is not just happening with survivors of human trafficking. I think agencies and organizations are struggling to get it right, too, with any vulnerable population that they're serving. So I would encourage all agencies to just take a look at what they're doing, look at their policies, and don't be afraid to dive in and start asking yourselves questions. Um, One of the tools that we used was the um, National Human Trafficking Training and Technical Assistance Center put out a document called the Toolkit for Building Survivor-Informed Organizations. And it was a national project with lots of different minds at the table. And I think that is a great place to start, regardless of what, who your organization is serving to be able to kind of assess and do and do just a glance over your yeah. over your organization. Another thing that I wanted to add, we haven't I haven't had a chance to like really like look too far into it, but a survivor leader at another organization brought it up to me. And sh- there's this website called ethicalstorytelling.org. And um, their whole page is basically leading organizations on how to tell stories of their um, population in an ethical way. And so I'm really excited to dig into what that website has to offer, but I think it would be universal through all organizations. Um, okay. Is there anything else you guys wanted to add that came up? I was just thinking of mentioning our Empower event coming up yeah. in April. So that's April 19th, and we actually have a survivor expert with a really impactful story that was a speaker at the Human Trafficking oh, Summit last awesome. year, Santoya Brown. Oh, awesome. Is coming that's and so speaking live, and I think the community could learn a lot from coming and listening to her story and supporting mm. her in that way. A lot about 
um, maybe improvements we can make mm -hmm. in the judicial system as well as hearing a, another different perspective from mm -hmm. a trafficking survivor. Yeah, so. she's absolutely amazing. So I'm yeah. excited for you guys. Those tickets will be launching soon, so keep your eyes peeled. All right. Well, thank you both for um, coming on and sharing your experiences with this. Um, I would say probably very difficult um, subject matter. I don't think this is something easy that, you know, someone just kills it overnight yeah, with. So yeah, I yeah. also appreciate you both just taking the time and diving into this. Um, I also want to thank the listeners for joining us. And we want to remind you to share your voice because your voice matters.